If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Hey guys, this is Doug Aldrich with the Dead Daisies and you're listening to Cobras in Fire and Rock is Not Dead. You're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast featuring special guests from Lynch Mob, Dokken, and now Dirty Shirley, guitarist George Lynch. And from Revolution Saints and the Dead Daisies, we have another guitar player, Doug Aldrich. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. What, uh, I thought I was you, doing do you want to go? How about, I don't care. What? What? Uh, you want to uh, go? Uh, I want to go. Uh, you, let's just say what's what we did. We got going on here. What's up, Luz? Uh, uh, what's up, Baco? We got some interviews today, man. Double shot interviews. Kind of a Frontiers Records uh, promo pack here. So, yeah, man. Why don't you tell tell the people how this this came about? We have a couple interviews today. The first one is from George Lynch, who has a new project coming out on Frontiers Records called Dirty Shirley. Dirty. In this interview, I can expose that he talks about why he finally decided to take on a side project. Uh, (laughs) Doug Doug Aldrich, of course, uh, from, you know, he's with his big project, The Dead Daisies, but he's also in the Revolution Saints. They, too, have a record coming out on January 24th from Frontiers Records. But uh, the opportunity to talk to both these guys came up, and it's kind of neat how we ended up putting it together. Uh, I took the George Lynch one, and you took Doug, and we were recording you know, almost one after the other. It was right around the same time we were if we were doing it in different time zones. Yeah, man, that was that was uh, the most challenging part is figuring out how Pacific Standard Time works. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> is but, it but yeah, man, or eight a.m. that I'm interviewing George. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good that we all figured it out. But no, as soon as mine was done, yours was done, and we're like, yeah, we're we're, we're done. So we've never done a dual interview at pretty much the same time, overlapping with uh, two different artists, but. No, it's pretty cool. Lynch is up first on this episode. Mm-hmm. What's kind of some highlights or some things that you covered? Well, we obviously get into the new record, but we talk a little bit of Lynch Mob, his often again and on again relationship with Oni Logan over the years, um, a McBrown update. Um, Why his, else like that? 
his uh, his uh, relationship with Don, uh, and of course the Lynch Mob docking his tour in the summer. So we get into that a little bit, um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I think people like it. What about uh, Doug? What can the people expect from the Doug Aldrich interview? Well, I'll get to that in a second, but also just to throw it to you. Now, this is basically between Lynch and Jakey Lee. Is there any other guitar heroes from the 80s that were kind of your inspiration? No, those that's 1A and 1B for me. I mean, there's a lot of guitar players that I liked a lot. I mean, Eddie Van Halen's kind of like a god to me, but I wouldn't consider much of a uh, – he didn't. He wasn't a guy that, that I drew a lot of inspiration from. He was more like – it's almost like he's more like Michael Jordan, like I could never do that. So, uh, right. But, you know, th- there's a lot of really, you know, talented guitar players players from that time but these were my guys so yeah this was kind of big for me yeah exactly one and two done who who knew would you have the young Baco could you have ever imagined interviewing both of these guys yeah I, I, he just uh, I went back in time told him he ran into the closet and started jerking off right away <laughs> oh my god I'm All not right, sure so... what he what, he, what, uh, what he used for uh, you know uh, inspiration but he got horny <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure how to transition from well, that. How but about anyway, you, uh, uh, Doug Aldrich? Uh, he was. Uh, if you went back to 15 year old loose cannon and said, <laughs> "I'm going to be interviewing Doug Aldrich in my mid to late 40s," I would have said, uh, "Well, at the time, I would have said who because he was in the the band Lion, yeah. not the white version right. back in the time." But no, in all due, due respect, Doug Aldrich, guitarist, uh, Doug Aldrich, super cool, nice guy. And he, for those, um, here's here's a little bit of his is basically his resume, and that is he's been in Dio, he's been in Whitesnake, he uh, currently is part of the musical collective, The Dead Daisies, and his side project, which he actually refers to it as, Revolution Saints has a new album this month as well, So, and that, that album is called Rise. Now, the, I will just say that, that the highlights for me on this was really getting down to what the hell is a musical collective, because Dead Daisies is run by this like, multimillionaire named mm-hmm. Dave Lowey. And he gets into that. He talks about uh, uh, pretty much if he if he agrees with the term hired gun, and it just just bounces around his career with some pretty in depth, uh, engaging stories throughout his career. Right on. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, I think he did a great job. So I think the people are going to dig that too. Doug has uh, quite a fascinating career, and you're right. You know, he he knows how to give an answer to an interview too. I think you had two questions total in over. <laughs> At one point. I think I had five. Yeah, no, I kid, of course. No, Doug was great, man. Yeah, so you want to get into this or what? Yeah, let's let's give the people what they want, which isn't us. So So here is the first Cobra double shot interview, and that is George Lynch and Doug Aldrich. Yeah. 
I'd like to welcome to the program George Lynch, of course, from Dockin and Lynch Mob. How you doing, George? Hmm. Just rolled out of bed. <laughs> it's not normal for me. I'm usually an early riser, but I had a clinic uh, last night in San Diego. I live in Los Angeles, northern Los Angeles, so it was a four-and-a-half-hour drive each way. Okay. And the uh, four of us went down from ESP and um, left at noon and didn't get back till three in the morning. All right. Well, uh, well, you know, an hour, an hour of music and um, um, eight hours of driving. So um, I didn't roll out of bed on time, so I'm playing catch up here with, with you. And I apologize, but uh, no problem. Uh, so it's a lot like being on tour: one hour of performance and eight hours in the car. Yeah, yeah. That's why I tell people when we play places, I was like, "You don't pay us to play. That's the easy part. Yeah, <laughs> it's the travel. You pay us to get here. No doubt." Uh, well, you never seem to be short of anything going on, obviously. Dirty Shirley, your latest effort, comes out on the 24th of January here. Um, plus, I see that uh, Lynch Mob is going to tour with Doc in this summer. Do we know who's going to be singing with, with Lynch Mob? Uh, Oni. He's back? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, touching that just real quick, he's in and out a lot, but he keeps coming back, so I assume it's never really on bad terms? Eh, you know, not, <laughs> not bad, bad. I mean... You know, it's just I'm just sort of like we operate that differently. I'm I'm more of a and I'm not saying one way is good or bad or right or wrong. I'm I'm more of a just you know roll up my sleeves and and get the work done and do it efficiently and cost effectively and and uh, you know and 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 uh, and and Oni's more of a kind of like a like a '70s guy, you know, where he's just a, a free floating and. You know, like a hippie and just kind of, oh, you know, take our time and do, you know, get some inspiration and we'll see what happens and play with life and have party and have fun and all this and that. And I'm like, OK, but, you know, so that creates conflict sometimes, you know, uh, and, and uh, we, we sometimes agree just to put step back, you know. OK, but it's never anything minimal all right. volatile or anything too weird it's just kind of like eh, i'm gonna try something different this time around for instance on this, the, the new lynch mob record that I'm, I'm working on uh oni's not singing on it it's, uh, i've got joe retta he hasn't uh that's not a name i'm familiar with he's he hasn't been on any of the other records has he no no i have never worked with him before um other than uh, an independent project uh, that i did with uh someone he's he was the singer on a song that i wrote and played on okay uh, but it has not been released yet um but he's wonderful i mean he's uh i'm in the only world i mean he's uh you know very bluesy very soulful you know it comes from that you know that cut from that al green paul rogers mode you know uh retha you know all the great blues soul singers you know he's fantastic he's really really good any uh any idea when that would be coming out or I'm going to put it at, I'm going to put it at early summer. Okay. So 2020. Oh yeah. Yeah. So kind of a, you know, oh, just a, a rough stab, uh, you know, it could be, could be later, but right now it's looking like, um, you know, the record's all written, um, and, uh, recorded as far as the music, you know, and it's just in Joe's hands at this point, working on the vocals. Okay. Then it'll go to mix and, you know, it's a couple of months process. The uh, the Lynch Mob docking tour is going to be a fun one for the fans. Um, do you do you anticipate performing any songs with Don? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's part of the that's part of the uh, plan is for me to go out 
at the end of the night and uh, um, do four songs. Okay. Yeah, um, so, and, you know, obviously Lynch Mob isn't going to be doing any docking songs in our set, which we normally do, quite a few. Sure. It's going to be just a straight Lynch Mob set, and then Don comes out and does his docking thing, and then I come out at the end of the night and, uh, you know, we can kiss and hug and make up and everybody... You know, it's a love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember you guys were on um, that metal show together, and it seemed like you were kind of teasing that uh, a reunion was somewhat imminent at that time. But if I recall, if memory serves me right, that you were a little less committal than Don. Do I have that? Am I remembering that right? I just didn't you guys kind of tease a reunion that never really came to fruition on the metal show? Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, um, we, yeah, I think right. Yes, you're right. Um, I'm sorry because we we've, we've done that a number of times, <laughs> and I think there's probably a little bit of some elements of the band that feel like it's the second coming of Jesus, and it's really not that. So oh, I got you. We're having inflated, a, you know, perception of how important this is to the universe. It's not really that critically important. So, um, <laughs> be realistic. So, you know, anyway. So what we did, uh, obviously, do something, uh, some, some, uh, a very kind of a, uh, it was kind of like a reunion light, I guess. Um, that Japan you know, we, tour? Yeah, we did. We went to Japan, and uh, yeah, we did the South Dakota show. We yeah. put out the record with a new song. So that, that, that South Dakota show was kind of a warm up, correct? Yes. Yes. It, was Ron Keel there? Uh, yes, he was. He. he <laughs> I guess he was working with uh, that the uh, promoter. Yeah, no, he lives there too, uh, still. But uh, oh, okay. Um, you know, just a, uh, on the a couple things on the docking thing. On the uh, this is a, a more of a nerd question, but that under lock and key uh, album cover, you know, it has that kind of like cut out docking logo. Uh, did does anybody own that? Is that like was that a prop made just for the photo shoot, or did someone did Don take it home, put it in his garage? Hmm. <laughs> or do you have it? <laughs> I wish I had it. That'd be awesome. Put it on my over my front porch. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I don't have any idea. I don't know if that was even a real thing. Okay. Also, well, I guess, you don't remember the photo shoot, huh? I remember the photo shoot because there was an argument within the band about and the management as far as wearing those dumbass costumes, but <laughs> I, I, I was not wanting to do that and i was kind of kicking and screaming and finally the the manager cliff bernstein called me up and said george you're gonna wear the fucking costume shut the fuck up and just go get down there and do the photo shoot and um <clears throat> he was like that you know yeah. you, when cliff said jump you just said how high so okay but i was of the opinion that you know we shouldn't be dressing up in silly suits and shit like that you know Everybody have a different color and, you know, look like the same outfit that Molly Crew had and Rathead. You just pretty sad, you know, because the same guy made all the stuff. Oh, around, really? And they were obscenely expensive. And I didn't think it would stand the test of time. But, oh, well, it actually did, though. I think he was right. You know, it was pretty cool. All right. You, uh, you used to wear, a, like, I think it was red. might have been green. But uh, a T-shirt that just said balls on it. Uh, where can I get one of those? <laughs> I always well, wanted it. You want to take that question out of context? Where can I get balls? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, was that a brand or what was it? What was it? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, you know, just 
She you just liked wearing a shirt that said balls. I loved it. I'm don't get me wrong. I, I'm not. Being... Sometimes when you do drugs, you do stupid shit. Oh, okay. What can I tell you? I don't know. I thought it was cool. I I, I wanted one. I thought you know rocking around my farm town, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I think just having to, you know, I just have sort of a tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic sense of humor. So and I like just doing stuff that's a little slightly thought-provoking and funny. So you know, you can usually uh, uh, convey a. So there's some a little entertaining, <laughs> quirky message when you're whatever you're wearing, you know. Why not? You, know? you just do. You still have it? No. <laughs> uh, you know, on uh, you've done. You seem to have softened on your stance towards doing stuff with Don over the years. Was there some kind of like uh, I don't know formal arrangement or just uh, basically just time healing all wounds? Or, I suppose I don't know how to phrase that better, but you know, you guys have definitely had your issues with each other. Well, you know, to be very honest i mean our, our our bottom line issues were always um uh really business issues mm-hmm. so you know we've all like been around the block a bunch of times now and and we're so you know as far as personally we're fine you know we, we, we enjoy each other's company we can hang out it's we're good on stage it's it's fine I don't, we can write we can work together but it's just you know the business has to be right yeah okay that has to be fair well you would think so but um and what's going on could you have any news on mick i know he just kind of is he actually just retired i think he took a chunk of time off with the intention of coming back okay you know but he had to had to heal his his psych and his body and you know i mean drumming is hard yeah (laughs) you know well, yeah, everybody's getting older, you know. Yeah, and he's a hard hitter. He's been doing that for how many decades? And you know, and it's not like you know some drummers are that are machines like that. You know, they Kenny Arnoff or somebody. You know, they, they they work out and they do karate and kung fu and they stretch and they have this really disciplined life and this diet and don't drink and you know all this kind of stuff. And, and Nick, it makes not one of those kind of people. So you know, it was really taking a toll on him. And uh, he was just hurting everywhere, you know, and um, and he had a few scary episodes and um, there were wake up calls, you know, so mm-hmm. it was like, okay. and he did something dramatic and drastic, which I think was probably what he needed to do. And from what I've heard, he's looking great now, you know, so we're good. Is healing up and, and looking fantastic, looking a lot younger and a lot more energy. Um, you know, you know I'm mean, mixing an old friend and I want to see him happy and, and, and be enjoying himself. And, and it seems like he's gotten back to that place now, which is very, very important. So, what's the point if you're not enjoying yourself? Right, you know, yeah, no doubt. Serving hey, somebody else's agenda. You know? Hey, do you remember a, a feature that was done on you? It was either in Guitar World or like Guitar for the Practicing Musicians. Um, it was, uh, it kind of showed some of your tricks and one of them was that you were using like a can opener on a Les Paul for a whammy bar. Do you remember that at all? I, I remember. Really? I, yeah, it was like, and I tried to do it. Like, uh, the, the picture didn't really explain it very well. I was kind of curious what, it, how it would even work. Yeah. You had like one of those old school can openers that was pried in there and they, they kind of described what you were doing. 
I have no recollection of that. And <laughs> I think that it was, had to be a joke. Yeah, I wonder. Well, I mean, I was young and naive. I mean, it really could have just been a tongue-in-cheek thing that I just didn't get. But uh, I think maybe it was a re- reaction or response to like some, some other guitar players like Gilbert and Van Halen were doing the thing with... Uh, power tools and stuff like that so i thought okay well i'll do that but in a more primitive <laughs> fashion just to make fun of that you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, i don't know vice grips okay you know i don't know but i like it i'm just guessing because i don't remember uh that might just been kind of spur of the moment oh let's just grab this can opener over here and say something funny about it well, michael sweet who uh obviously you know you you know very well He's been on the show a few times. He's a guy who likes to keep busy like you, too. Um, I really, really dug, the, and a lot of people did, uh, the first Sweet and Lynch tour. Did, you guys never managed to put out a live show or even like a little short tour or anything? Uh, well, you know, with those projects, it, it comes down to um, logistics and financial viability mm-hmm. as far as being able to get it out there on the road. Um, because, you know, you can't just... You can't just pick up and go out and go do shows. You know, we, we've been, for instance, KXM and some of my other projects have been offered things like that. You know, we put out a record, somebody gets excited, you know, a promoter calls or somebody and say, you know, you know, we'll pay X amount of money to come out and do, uh, you know, uh, Rock on the Range, for instance. Mm-hmm. KXM offered Rock on the Range and something in Japan or this and that. And, you know, they were good money and everything, but it was like, okay, but think about it. We have to build a crew. We have to make sure all of our schedules are, are cleared, which is which is Lynch Mob, King's X, Corn, and all the other things we're involved in. So we have to find a spot that we're all mutually able to free up, which is almost impossible because uh, we're all doing 10, 10 different things. Yeah. And then we have to come from, you know, three parts of the country to get together, build a crew, put everybody up, get into a rehearsal situation. And then we have to relearn all these songs that we've never really played because we created them in the studio. Okay. Each song is created in one day, every two years doing a record. So we got, we got a, a period of time of six years that we wrote 35 songs and we've got to pull 12 songs out of there and go, okay, do we remember how we played these? No, nobody remembers anything. So we've got to pick these things apart, dissect them and internalize them and get that muscle memory back and learn these things like we've been playing them all our life. That's not easy to do because they're not easy songs. They're, they're kind of complex. You know, a lot of them are complex and, and, and hard to figure out, hard to perform. So, um, so that's a lot of prep work, and that takes a lot of time and money. So you talk about maybe ten days of rehearsal. Okay, so that's with travel. That's twelve days. That's that's two weeks right there. Okay. Okay. Now you got to go out. Okay. Let's say you got this one offer. Okay. That's not going to cover that two weeks of time that you just spent renting a studio and flying people in, putting people up in hotels and rent a cars and pay your commissions and your crew and and your time. You know, you just spent two weeks of what you wasn't you weren't doing something else. That's half a month, and you're not making any money. So then you go, you do your one show. Well, that just paid, babe, babe, if you're lucky, all the expenses for that. So now you have to add other shows. But what's the chances of getting a hold of an agent saying, okay, we have this one anchor date. We need to build around it. Now you've got to find promoters that are willing to book shows on weekdays with a band that nobody really knows around that one anchor show. And no days off because days off cost you thousands of dollars. So you've got to, you know, what's the chances of that happening? That, this is very difficult to pull off. 
That's you know, a pretty detailed a answer. <laughs> for, for a lot of different reasons, which I won't get into, but it gets much deeper than that. And we've had three or four failed attempts with KXM to try to pull this off. And we okay. got very close. Uh, we got very close for 2019, and that was yanked out from under us at the last minute. And, but we were about ready to go out and do a winter 2019 run. We almost had it figured out, and uh, we had the dates. Uh, dates were being booked and so forth, and time was cut out, and uh, something happened, and we were able to pull it off. But it's very challenging. So that's with KXM, where there's, there is somewhat of a demand for, among some people to, to see that succeed and get out there and tour it. Um, but with Sweet and Lynch, you know, it's a little bit harder sell, a little bit even more challenging because they're like, well, why don't I just go out and do Lynch Mob? <laughs> okay. Because yeah, you're playing for the same promoters, the same crowd, but it's almost why do this, you know? I, I mean, you know, it's different because it's a different thing, you know. But for some of these projects that I do, which is it's almost kind of Lynch Mobby, but just with a different singer, you know. So it's like, okay, well, sort of redundant. You know. Does it ever make you reconsider doing so many different projects? Um, well, I always know it's the wrong thing to do, but I do it anyways because I I like to. Okay. I like to write. And I, I love being in the studio and I love playing with other people and, and making what I think are interesting, fun records that matter a little bit to some some people. And um, I just I would really just stay. I'm a studio creature. I would just stay in the studio forever and never leave <laughs> well, right, well, nothing wrong with that if that's where your you yeah. know your, your heart is at you know you have yeah. uh really done a lot of d- different types of projects too i mean well, well shit your um the lynch mob the the rap metal one the smoke and mirrors oh yeah yeah smoke this yeah uh I, you know i saw that tour uh you guys did you came through the, the twin cities here um uh anyway uh did you that was a real big step out of the box especially for lynch mob did you ever think about calling it something else i know you've joked that people have said it's a lynch, lynch biscuit <laughs> but right well i i you know uh, Again, the, the dilemma with that was, um, yes, absolutely, uh, was never expecting to call it Lynch Mob, because uh, it wasn't, but it was the only way I could sell the project to okay. a label, and they insisted on it, and they go, well, you can keep your, you can call it something else, and put it out, and sell it out of the back, you know, the trunk of your car, or you can call it Lynch Mob, and have a record deal, put a gun to my, what am I going to do? That three-song EP, how do you pronounce it, that or Syzygy. Syzygy. Is, is, is that a word that, uh, what does it mean? Is it made up? Or? Uh, the astral alignment of three common celestial bodies along our common axis, exerting a compound gravitational force on a fourth object. To go deeper, I know 
It sounds like you've been asked that question before. <laughs> I used to read the dictionary. Oh, man, you had that right Look off the top the of word, your head. That's man. pretty impressive, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, a, it's actually, a, 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 in some New Age circles, it's considered a, a thing that affects, you know, affects us and can affect us in some ways. It's otherwise known as the harmonic, harmonic convergence um, when that event occurs. And... Um, and uh, feeding off that, I came up with a project which I never actually finished, but uh, it was actually Jeff Pilson I's one of our joke projects, and uh, we called the band the Harmonica Virgins, <laughs> <laughs> and we're kind of a Lilith Fair lesbian New Age band, and you know it's a play on words with the Harmonica Virgins and the Harmonica Virgins. So, anyways, that's that, was, that is a deep <laughs> pun. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well done. Uh, before we get into Dirty Shirley, I did want to ask you, um, you're, you're not, over the years, you know, following your career, you, you haven't really been known as someone uh, to get into a lot of political discussions in your music or just in, in interviews and stuff, but you haven't really held back on the most recent administration by some of the uh, the quotes I've seen out there. Um, what, why the sudden change? Are, why get out there now, I guess? Uh, it hasn't been a sudden change for me. I've been a political animal for. Um, I meant outwardly as uh, as as an artist. You know, I mean, I haven't really seen it in your music much or, or in interviews. Um. Yeah, you got to be careful with interviews. Uh, you know, you can alienate people, mm-hmm. but you be afraid to say what's truthful and important. And you know, if you have a you have an audience that can give a responsibility, and even if you don't, everyone has a responsibility to be a participant in the process and to be aware and to, you know, edify and educate themselves as to what, what the truth is. So we can base our decisions based on something rational rather than, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I have been an environmental active and, and, and politically active person for most of my adult life. Um, and it's been a very challenging thing for me to, incorporate uh my worldview into my music mm-hmm. because i'm not a singer and um most for the most part not a very good lyricist it's, you know being a lyricist is being a poet ideally and i'm i'm struggled with that i'm not a natural poet okay like all, or and other people i work with like london you know but i just have you know, play play with words like an instrument. So, um, I've been profoundly uh, uh, committed to, you know, pursuing the truth and uh, doing what I can do in my small way to make the world a more just and fair place. Um, so I'm, I'm very uh, progressive in my politics, very liberal and... Um, and have been um, uh, very active in environmental circle, uh, 
but uh, on a musical level, uh, it's been challenging for me to incorporate those ideas into my music because, as I said, I'm not the one delivering the message. You know. Yeah, I get it. You know, if, in other words, if I work with a singer that doesn't feel like I do about things, you know, I, what am I going to do? Ask them to say something that they don't believe? Sing, sing about something that they don't believe? No, that's valid. Doug is more of a libertarian on lots of issues, Doug Pinnock. So, you know, he'll, he'll write songs about, you know, gun rights, which I completely, absolutely oppose. <laughs> but I have to get up there and, you know, I'm part of the process. Okay, we're doing a video for a song called Gunfight, where he's holding an AR-15 talking about, you know, they're coming to take our our guns. I'm like, what? Oh, Jesus. You know, um, and that's not me, you know, so I, I have a problem with that. But, you know, I understand people have different viewpoints, but uh, trying to be calcified in my opinions, and I can be convinced that, you know, and I, you know, I know I don't know everything, and uh, so I'm, I'm open to, you know, being, have, being a free thinker. I would like to improve on my stances if, if, uh, if I'm wrong. So, um, uh, but there was one record that I did that I was actually very uh, uh, involved, passionately involved in the writing. I wrote almost, uh, I probably wrote seventy-five percent of the lyrics on Shadow on the Shadow Train record. Okay, just not a record that you know garnered a lot of attention, but um, it was the soundtrack to the film that I worked on, Shadow Nation, and uh, I actually uh, came up with all the. the, the uh, again a majority of the vocal uh melodies and lyrics um and i don't know where it came from but i was just you know very agitated and motivated and i gave a shit and it was it came from the right place you know i just um uh, couldn't stop it was just you know and that hasn't happened before or since on any record i've worked on <laughs> so um the problem is i just can't sing very well so i get very frustrated in my head i'm i'm aretha franklin and then as soon as i open my mouth i'm you know something else i'm a frog so uh, it's very frustrating but i do hear it in my head okay. and uh, being able to get that idea across and get it to a real singer sometimes we have good results but and, and that happened in that case on that record well let's get the dirty shirley it comes out on january 24th on frontier records was the name uh it just kind of taken from the drink or is, is there a story behind that Oh, just sitting around, uh, looking around the studio. We need a name for the band. I'm thinking, why do we, why do we beat ourselves up? You know, we, the thing is, I do all these projects over the decades, and like we come up with these dumbass names that are initials, and you know, the, the least creative, lowest common denominator, denominator choice we could you could possibly imagine. You know, nothing cool, nothing anything, no vibe to it. It's like KXM or TNN or you know, Sweet and Lynch. I'm like, oh Jesus, God. Can't we do better than this? So, uh, I was, you know, I'm like, you know, just name it anything. And I was just looking around. I, I had this wall of amplifiers, and one of them was a Freeman Dirty Shirley. I could call it that. Right. And I'm joking, but I submitted that name to uh, the singer and the label, along with two other names, and that's the one they picked, not knowing it was an amplifier. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was an amplifier. I've, I've heard of the drink, but that was it. Oh, I didn't know about the drink. Yeah. 
Um, I love the record, by the way. I, I, I listened to it a couple times this week, getting ready for this. Uh, it might, I don't know, it, 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 it's, it's a little different. Um, I kind of see it, 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 it has a lot of lynch mob vibe to it, but it's almost got a little bit of a dream theater, and, and I don't know, hopefully I don't piss people off. A little bit of Led Zeppelin, maybe? Yeah, it's got all that. I mean, all my records have a little bit of all that. I don't know about dream theater, I'd say... I see a little bit of Evanescence in there. Okay. Well, yeah, fair enough. The, the well, songs the are kind of the epic. There, there's a lot of long tracks on here. Yeah, there's that. You know, I, I, I'm really bad at self-restraint. You know, the, what, you know, I, some of these people I work with, they're like, well, you know, could you leave some more holes in the music or do you ever breathe? And, you know, <laughs> like silence is a note and I've got to learn that. I'm still trying to learn that lesson. It's very dense and very you know, epic and, uh, you know, sort of, you know, Hey, what happened to a three and a half minute song? You know? Yeah. No, I like, Hey, it's all good with me, man. I did. If it works, it works. And it definitely uh, did on this. Self-in- album. Self-indulgent was the word I was looking for. It seems like overly <laughs> self-indulgent. <laughs> I apologize for that. It, did, it didn't come across that way, but, uh, um, the second half is really strong, honestly. Siren Song, Voice of a Soul, um, Cold and Escalator. These are all killer tracks, man. Yeah, I guess, you know, we, we, we and older guys, we, I, you know, I, we're sort of building these albums like people are dropping a needle. You know, we can't get, we'll never get over that, you know. I just, that's the way I, I imagine people are listening, even though they're not. So try to build it, uh, try to lay out a record so that it builds. And you got the the video out there for "Here Comes the King." Uh, it you're you're embracing the the gray. I see, George. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you got to the point where it just it, it was disingenuous. To, you know, I I, did, I saw a picture. It was on. I saw, saw some picture on Instagram or something of some band. You know, our age guys, all people we know. And I looked at this picture, and they were kind of lined up. And I went, every one of these guys is wearing a wig. This guy are all dyed. And I go, it looks so artificial. You can tell their faces that there's nothing wrong with getting older. Why not? You know? And so I think, you know, fuck this. It's, it's starting to look silly. You know? Well, and specifically, who are you talking about in those pictures? <laughs> oh, I, it's all of us, including me. <laughs> yeah, <from> nah. my, <laughs> in my recent past, you know, I was like, wait a minute. That's uh. obvious. Oh man, the the guitar tone. No, every every record you've ever done, it you can definitely has that George Lynch sound. Um, this one though, the, the the guitar tone itself is a. I, I would describe it more dirty than distorted. Hmm. Um. I think I was. Uh, you know, I think well. There's a lot of variety on the record as far as guitar tones. So I, you know, there were points that I was. Uh, um, going for something that was a little more wall of sound, thicker, heavier, and sometimes more way backed off, you know, just jelly through a cut little combo, you know, tweet or something, you know, just try to paint different tapestries and, you know, have a, a comp- sonic complex, you know, creating more sonic complexity and make it interesting. Um, and serving the song because there's a wide variety of styles on the record. So yeah, one guitar sound to, for all the songs, you know. So everything got changed up in every song. Do you have a favorite track on the album? No, no. I just uh, <laughs> I, come on. I, I, I like a lot of things about a lot of the songs, and um, I would say I there I have some personal misgivings about 
certain aspects of or portions of all the songs, you know, that I didn't feel maybe, um, you know, I quite, I didn't quite evolve the composition to, you know, finishing it where it was, I could put a bow on it and say, okay, this is perfect. You know? Sure. Well, well, how about from your career? Is there a record that you're most proud of? I would say just generally without thinking too hard about it, um, Wicked Sensation. Nice. Uh, because everything just sort of came together on that one by design and by luck. And, you know, we seem to be firing all cylinders on that one where the writing just came together very organically. The chemistry was magic. Uh, we had the wind at our backs with the whole, you know, docking, post-docking machine energy and fan base. Uh, it was, you know, we were at the right place at the right time and we had the resources. And I think we, you know, did the best record we could possibly do. Yeah, it's a killer album. Um, and then, then, then on another note, the, in another way, um, kind of a very underserved attempt at something I did was called Stonehouse. That was in the I believe the late 90s and uh it was an ep i did with matt from uh, saigon kick the singer from saigon kick and um we were kind of holed up we were holed up in a barn in northern california out in the mountains and the hills there and we we built a studio and and did this very organic kind of trippy thing it was just kind of bowie-esque and it's got all these other kind of elements really a departure similar like smoke this where well, that was kind of the rap metal thing this was mm-hmm. something else you know uh, very valid, and I loved I loved that record. And it never really, I don't think we actually commercially released it. But that was something I was very proud of. I was just listening to that recently and forgotten about it. So hmm. I think they're re-releasing that actually. So. Cool. I'll definitely be looking for that. Um, when was the last time you? What was the last record you would have recorded? Kind of that all in the studio together kind of setting. Uh, KXM. Okay, you got so fairly recently then. That's 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, KXM, KXM is always we just get in the studio and we we go nuts. We we write. We don't have any preconceived ideas. We just write at the moment. Cool. And every day we have to uh, write and record one song, and we got twelve days. Do you like kind of this modern uh, advantage where you can use technology and you can all record separately, or is it just kind of like that's what you do because it's kind of how it has to be? But you prefer everybody together. Well, it's whether you like it or not is really moot because it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do it because we can. You know, I mean, if it, or so, you know, the the the, uh, the Dirty Shirley record wouldn't exist if it wasn't if we weren't able to use that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet, no, no, Sweet no, Lynch, no, too, right? Uh, correct. Okay. Yeah. Do yeah. you? Well, you know, Sweet Lynch was done more like a band, um, except for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, Michael, um, uh, Brian, and uh, the bass player, uh, Lomenzo, they were all in one, they were in our studio back east. Right. Yeah, so they worked together, and it, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, almost a band record, yeah, done in a more traditional sense. Kind of a joke question, have you ever turned down anything, uh, Frontiers, I think it's Serafino has, has offered you? Uh, I don't remember. I, I yeah, yeah. There, there's been some offers. I mean, it weren't projects. They were just deals that I just felt were were. It wasn't worthwhile. Okay. Um, you know, on a business level to pursue, it was too much work for too little returns, kind of deal. But you know, um, not because the 
you know, it wasn't interesting to do or not because I didn't want to do it musically. No, never for that reason. Uh, well, well, hey, man, like I told you when, when we first got on, this was a pretty big honor for me. I really appreciate you taking some time to, to talk on all this stuff. Honestly, I, 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 when I started prepping for this, I, I realized I was going to get out of control if I didn't try to. Well, you said self kind of what was the term you used? Uh, I had to dial myself back, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so, right, right, right. Not, not to be too self-indulgent. Self-indulgent. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just like, there's there's. I would love to have you back on sometime because there's not a really I haven't really tapped into maybe a, 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 even a portion of what I really want to get into your career. But uh, you're a fascinating, yeah. dude. I, I love your music. Uh, any any parting shots? Well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, at, at my age, the, the, the only thing I could say is that, you know, you, at this point is, you know, I just hope that I'm able to say something that matters. And not for my benefit or because it's me, but just because why the fuck was I put on this earth if I can't do something that matters? So I'd like to think that I'm doing something that's for the good, you know, and, uh, you know, my, I just, you know, I give a shit. That's why I do what I do. Cool. And, uh, you know, I, I do, I do take it personal a lot of times when you miss, when I miss the mark, you know, it hurts because I feel like I've, I've let people down. You know, so <laughs> Every every record I do, like this Dirty Shirley record, is an attempt to, you know, get it right. Well, Which I, I probably that, never will, but <laughs> I think you got it right in this one. I pre-ordered it last night. All right, appreciate the time. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. All right. Uh, good luck with the Lynch Mob uh, record and tour coming up this summer uh, with Doc and people. Look out for dates on that, and uh, we'll talk to you later, George. Okay. Take care. Thank you.
LC at Cobras and Fire, and I am talking today with Doug Aldrich. How are you, sir? Great. I'm doing great. Yeah, so just to, to start off, now the Revolution Saints have a new album, Rise, that is coming out on what date? Uh, Revolution Saints comes out, I believe it's January 24th. It comes out. Okay. It, okay. Um, but you have to double check with Frontiers Music on that one, if, if you would. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so we're 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 uh, excited to get that out there to the people and and uh, hopefully you know people will enjoy it. Just a quick, quick comments that the first two tracks that jumped out at me are the title track "Rise" and and "Higher." Um, so I was able to listen to a stream first. Now, is there obviously you know you, you always like all the songs you, that you write, but if you're going to give like a another track or two to, to feature to get people you know into the album is there any other tracks you'd say is kind of a gateway drug um i, I like to leave that to the people to pick because i mean sometimes like you know what i like is not necessarily what everybody else likes but um i i, I do really like closer a lot i think that's it it, it reminds me when i heard the demo it reminded me of a chord progression that i had written for another band which we'll talk about later but and I immediately loved it. I loved the, the, that those chords, and so um, that's one of my favorites. But the, the whole album's got a great flow to it. It's, very, it's a really positive, uplifting kind of album, which is good for these days right now, you know. So currently, like you just did on the intro, Dead Daisies. So you are, yeah. you both have Revolution Saints and Dead Daisies going out at the same time. I guess my question there is, how does Revolution Saints kind of get together to record? Is it all, do you actually go into the studio, or is it all kind of remote? Um, no, we did we did do the uh, second album. We did together, we tracked it together in Italy in, um, I guess that was 2016 or so, okay. and, or 15, I can't remember. But, um... Or seventeen, <laughs> when it was, but uh, we we did do that. But this time we definitely had different schedules going on, and and um, uh, we we basically did it the electronic way, new the new way, which is you know we would you'd have a demo, and then you track the drums to the demo, and then the then the the drums come to me and and Jack, and we can do our individual parts, and then the guys get together and and sing. But um, the thing is, is it it's that's the only way we can do it when when Dean and I are full members of the Dead Daisies and we're right. very busy with the Dead Daisies. Um, Revolution Saints isn't isn't you know it's it's a project it's a session that we do, so we're basically um, doing this for the you know it's a one off each time we do it you never know if there's going to be another one or not but we do it for the fans that like the music and originally i after the first album we didn't tour or do anything as a as a real you know kind of a, a band would do i felt kind of 
not super excited about doing the second album. But then I, I got messages from a lot of the fans saying, you know, we really enjoy the music. Some people, like, I, it really uplifts my day when I'm coming back from work or, or going to work or whatever. It gives me energy to work out or two or something. So I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I, I like that, you know. So that's kind of how I justified doing a, a project when, I'm not, when it's not really a band, you know. Okay. So I, I guess with that said, you know, the Dead Daisies is a, a music collective, I guess is the term. But uh, in, in that situation, at least on, on Make Some Noise, which is my favorite album of, of the bunch, it looked like that pretty much everybody wrote together. Would you say that's kind of, for the most part, true? Like all the songs yeah. are... Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Okay, so, so in that situation, are there song ideas that you come up with or you're like, you know... This is just not going to fit for the Dead Daisies, and it's better for Revolution Saints. I don't, I don't really think about it too much. I just kind of put, put put ideas down that I like, and then, and then I'll play them for the guys with the Dead Daisies. I, you know, I would play riffs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily come up with an entire song, and I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't try and write lyrics for for somebody like Glenn Hughes, who is now singing, um, but. Uh, I just would I send out riffs and maybe some some vibes of songs and it, and it, if, for example with Dead Daisy's record we would all work on it together. There was a song that came out last year called Righteous Days, and I had started some music on that and Glenn took over with it and did his thing and David Lowy and and Dean um, helped with the music as well. So it's it's really a, a old fashioned kind of band. Um, with something like Revolution Saints, um, the songs are pretty much generated by Alessandro Del Vecchio. It's, it's really, he's a huge, he's the, he's the fifth Beatle kind of thing, you know. Okay. <laughs> he's the fourth saint. And, um, so he, <laughs> right. he, he start, he starts off with some really great musical ideas and then we, we kind of go from there and we'll put in our own two cents and sometimes we'll, We'll, we'll change a part here or there, and it becomes a band song. But um, we, you know, we're not in the same place writing together or anything like that. I sent a couple of ideas to uh, Jack, and we were working on those. And then we took, we decided we had enough songs like that on the record already, and we put those on ice. And he had a song that he wrote with with um, they wrote with Tommy Shaw, Eyes of a Child, and we thought that would be a great song to close the album so we just you know as it's being a project and we're not together in the same place you kind of just you kind of just try and help out what what direction has started and see if you can finish it off and the whole i talked to karate earlier this uh well actually last year at this point and uh, at that time he actually was still in the dead daisies uh at that time and the whole mm -hmm. musical collective. Now, I know it's David Lowy. He basically one day decided he's going to start a band and, and pretty much grabbed, if I understand right, just grabbed musicians that he wanted to, to be part of, of that band, but also kind of that it would be a constantly a rotating kind of thing. Is that accurate? An accurate statement? I, I think it's, it's that's kind of the what people, that's kind of the, the word on the street, but it's, it's actually in reality, it's quite different than that because... David played in a couple of bands in Australia when he was, you know, in his college years, and his 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 dad, you know, wanted him to 
to focus on the family business, which he did, and he put down the guitar for a while, for a long while. And then, I don't know when it was exactly, but he formed a band with a, a singer called John Stevens, and they they were they had been writing and doing gigs in Australia, and um, I think John Stevens was famous in Australia for being not just a singer, but also like a, an actor or something. But anyway, they made a band. They made a band, and they needed a name. And John Stevens had had been, you know, partying a little too hard one day, and went to the doctor. And the doctor said, "You, you better cool it, or you're going to end up pushing. Up, you're going to be pushing up daisies soon. You know, kind of like in the <laughs> in the grave." And so that's how they got the name the Daisies. And then they they were looking for musicians to collaborate with, and and they started off somehow. They met Marco Mendoza, and Marco. Mm-hmm knows everybody if you're going to throw a rock and roll party just call marco because he knows everybody okay. and david david had expressed interest um actually he had he had co-written a song with slash and john stevens and um they, they really liked the direction you know that that sound of the, the song is called lock and load yep and, First album, um, right yeah and and so eventually, you know, John Stevens decided to to go his separate ways, and Marco said, "Hey, oh, oh, by the way, they got uh, Richard Fortas, who had been in Guns N' Roses, and they got Dizzy Reed into the band. They also collaborated with some other guys on doing sessions, Daryl Jones from Stones, and um, um, the singer, the background singer of the Stones. Um, I'm spacing on his name, but he's." I'll get it in a minute, but anyway, they got they got a pretty solid lineup with Brian Tishy and and Richard Fortas and Dizzy and Marco and David, and then they needed a singer and they discussed John Karabi, and I didn't even know about the band really until then. John Karabi came in, and I know John I I know John since we were in high school, and they came out with the song Midnight Moses, which was really the first time I really took notice of the dead daisies and it was like this is a cool ass band you know and by the way john Crowley used to play midnight moses when he was in a band in, in philly when we were kids and it was like yeah. a great it was like a great song that, that nobody that everyone forgot about through the 80s in the 70s it was a big song you know in the clubs on the east coast and then in the 80s like nobody mentioned alex harvey band and that riff and i thought Krabi, what a genius to re- resurrect that riff with for the dead daisies.
And then somehow or another, you know, um, Richard Forrest got hurt in a motorcycle accident really badly. And they had asked me what I'd fill in. I, I had already committed to Glenn Hughes for a tour, and I said I couldn't. Um, but I passed on a couple names, and they got through their tour. And then eventually... Um, Guns N' Roses decided they were getting back together, as you know, in 2016, uh, or 15, 16, yes. And um, that's when I got the call. They said, you know, we, we're, I know all those guys. We're friends. The only person I didn't know was David. So it was like, and Richard actually said, why don't you get Doug, you know? So it's just kind of a natural thing. So it's not so much like he didn't, he didn't actually grab as the people as much as, Marco said, "Hey, these guys are cool. I think this would make a good band, and it did. I thought that they, I thought they, it was a great band with Fortis and Dizzy, and then I felt like Make Some Noise was a, was a, you know, David Lowy really didn't really. I mean, he loves Dizzy. Don't get me wrong, but he wants he he Australian. He's like heavily into the Australian sound, which is like um, Rose Tattoo and of course ACDC and stuff like that, and it's no keyboards." The reason that they had keywords is because John Stevens, the original singer, wanted keywords. So they decided, okay, make some noise. Let's bring in Doug, and we're going to have a, you know, a more guitar-oriented sound. And we wrote together and did that, and it was it worked out great, you know. And then eventually Brian decided he wanted to do some other stuff, and we went on and we got Dean. You know, I had worked with Dean, and Marco knows Dean really well. So it's just like bringing in friends, and it's more. They use the word um, collective, but it's there's an old-fashioned word for that, which is how Deep Purple actually started, which is called a roundabout. So it'd basically be like, you know, yeah, come around, come around my house, let's write some songs together. And that's kind of what it was. It was like, who, who's who can we get to play? Who's around today? And they, they happened to be in the studio at one point, and they, they, Charlie Drayton, was in town. Uh, uh, they needed a drum track, and Charlie Drayton came in and did the session. It's just, it's very seventies oriented kind of thing, you know. But he he didn't necessarily grab the guys as far as like, hey, let's get this guy because he obviously could have gotten much more famous people than me to play guitar. I'm I'm just a you know guy from L.A. and I've been fortunate to play and be in some bands, but. It's because of the relationships that we're friends. That's why we were we we're kind of doing it, and that's what we continue to do. I mean, Glenn Glenn coming in is is has been amazing. I'm so excited about the new the new stuff. Um, but uh, of course, we're missing John and Marco a lot. You know, I mean, I went to the airport to go record the record. And it was just it was so weird to be in an airport without Marco. I'm so used to looking down at the at the shops and seeing Marco with a bunch of bags in his hand after he went shopping, you know, he's getting ready to go on a tour and he's shopping at, at the airport for his, his clothes. It's awesome. So, but Glenn has come in. He is, he's just killing it. It's definitely, a, he's, he's really, really awesome. And I'm super excited for everyone to hear it. Well, that uh, makes a lot should, more sense. Now, at least you, um, you got the kind of idea of how it kind of just naturally has progressed as opposed to uh, some, there, there is, like I said, word in the street is, is you know, David Lowy is a, a successful businessman. He can afford to basically just grab anybody he wants. But he's also a really talented guitar player. And I'm 
I, I say that because um, I got, you know, I just like to be, I, I need to, to give him credit because, you know, working on this newest record um, with Glenn, we, I put my guitars down first. David was there. We tracked together and I, I it sounded really good. And then I went and cleaned up my guitars and, and put them down wherever I needed to again. Then David came back and, and put put his guitars back in the mix and fixed up his guitars. And it was like the tracks came alive. It was really cool. He's just got a thing that's a very useful, honest approach to guitar that, you know, a guy like me, I, I have my, what I do. That's what I do. I, I can't, I can't play like him. I can't play like, you know, Eddie Van Halen. I can only do what I do, but he definitely adds a sound to the dead daisies. That's, that doesn't, get recognized as much as it probably should so that's why i wanted to kind of give him props no absolutely no i appreciate you going into detail there because that's there's just a concept that's uh that makes a lot more sense as far as the connections and things like that but it's kind of not the image out there and that's uh so it's a little confusing so thank you for that yeah no worries i mean you know there's it, it, always there's always different aspects to the way bands go and, and come together and of course you you want you want guys that are good and you want guys that are known or you want your friends, you know, and it's kind of like, it goes like that. I think for me, I, I was really enjoying being off the road after I left Whitesnake and I was just really happy to be home with my son and just, I was starting a new relationship and it was all good. And then I, so all of a sudden, you know, because of friends, I'm like, when Marco called me, I was like, I love Marco. I, I'll do anything Marco wants to do. So it's like, yeah, I'm in. Let's write a record. Let's let's see where it goes. I had no idea we'd be as busy as we've been, and um, and you know now Marco, uh, John decided he wanted to kind of focus on his 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 stuff directly, mostly at the moment, and and then Marco as well has really always been, whenever Dead Daisies was off the road, he's always doing solo stuff. It really works really hard. Good Days is one of the few few bands that actually is kind of a, let's just call it super group for lack of a better word, that actually works. It's like over the 1%. And now it makes more sense because it's more of a natural uh, development. But I do have one other question on that, and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, jump to Revolution Saints, and that is that uh, there was a concert that I really wanted to go to but missed, and that was when White Snake was touring with the Dead Daisies. Now, I don't, I don't have my timeline in front of me. Were, were you in White Snake then or already in the Dead Daisies at that point? I was in, I was in neither at that point. Really? Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It was, um, I, was, I was off the road. I had left White Snake and was doing a, a show with some buddies in Vegas called Raiding the Rock. Oh, yep, yep. And... In the beginning, that show was, was really, it was a big production, you know, it was like in a big theater, and they said to me, hey, I was still in White Snake when I joined, but when I got there, they said, hey, you can bring your concert rig, and you just, you live in the hotel, you got, you know, these suites that you live in, and food's comps and everything. I was like, this is like a paid vacation to go play guitar for a few hours a day. I, I love it. And... Yeah. And I, I did it for about a year, but I just got burned out on that. And then I started taking gigs. You know, then Glenn Hughes called me and said, hey, I want to do a tour of just a trio, and I want you to play. So then I kind of started doing a few gigs. But I was not in Whitesnake or Dead Daisies, and I heard about that. I thought, that's so cool. In fact, I saw David. I saw them. They they, they went on um, David Lowy's jet 
together. Um, David huh. Bowie has has a jet that he travels because he's basically got you know during regular business times he's he's got to be all over the world. And then during Dead Daisy's times he also needs to be all over the world. So he's got a you know he's got a way to get there at any time. And so White Snake was on the plane. I saw pictures of it. I thought, oh, that's cool. These guys are hanging. And, but I would have liked to have seen that show too. It would have been cool. I want, you know, it's it kind of it was cool because like Brian and Marco, we used to be in White Snake, and to be supporting White Snake was kind of it would be like a big family, you know. Gotcha. I thought maybe that was a transition or meeting the guys at the Daisies, but uh, during the tour. But interesting. So we're in there. We're in either band at that time. Okay. I, I have seen Ray in the Rock Vault. I think that was the time that uh, uh, Dee Snyder meant, decided to, to mention something about, about that show for a call, yes? Yeah, he, he mentioned it about me. He's like, you know, this is, well, why is this guy up on a billboard? You know, isn't he Whitesnake? Isn't he, 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 and I was in Whitesnake at the time, or I had just recently left, but he, right. he just, he just he, he's a nice guy, I'm sure. He just made a, a comment, and I just, want, I just wanted to put it straight that you know I've been in White Snake for a long time and co-written a lot of songs and we would perform those songs live and I, I should be allowed to use the White Snake name a lot of people you know only know White Snake from the current lineup you know like there's a lot of kids that are a lot of kids that are discovering White Snake and they only know White Snake the only guitar player they know is, is Joe Hoekstra and Red Beach they don't know about me they don't know about Sykes they don't know about Bernie Marsden so now, Red's been in the band 20 years or whatever. I mean, he's even though he's not an original member, he should be able to use it that he's from Whitesnake. So I just right. was yeah, saying that. So, but anyway, oh, it was all good. It, yeah, he, I, right. There was another little side story to that, too, is that Krabi and D used to have a show, and, and who else? Um, um, Bruce Kulick used to have a show in Vegas called Monster Circus. And huh. it... It was it was kind of a similar thing. Um, it was a different song list, and it didn't. And it I, would, different... I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, it was um, Bruce Kulick on guitar, John Karabi singing and playing guitar. D would come in. He was kind of the superstar of that lineup, I think. And it went on for a little while, and then it faded away. And then Ready the Rock Vault came, and I think it it may have been a little bit of a thorn in, in those guys' sides. You know, me and Krabby talked talked about it a lot, and he he. Um, but John Krabby is he did, he's so non-confrontational about everything. He's just like, ah, oh, whatever, man. It was cool. You know, we we had our show, and you guys had that show. But as I said, after a year of doing that show, being in Vegas, I got I got severely burned out, and I needed to I needed to start writing and doing stuff and. That's, um, like I said, that's when I started to look at, you know, some offers that were coming in. Dead Daisies was one of them. And I'm, now I'm full-time Daisies. Um, and stuff like Revolution Saints comes around now and again. It's really fun to do Revolution Saints because um, it's a different style of music that I think, you know, a lot of people miss it. And we, we happen to, to do it pretty good. And so works out you know it's a session and we can get people some music that they like to you know uplift their day oh yeah it's, def it's definitely uplifting music one other thing too is i'm sure you're familiar with the movie hired gun correct yes 
would you consider, you know, you've had such an interesting career where you're, you've been in DO, you've been in White Snake, um, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're always an active musician. Would you, is that a term that you like? Would you consider yourself in that zone? Would you, would you be good to be in that movie, for example? I, I wouldn't have done it myself just because I didn't ever consider myself a higher gun, really. I mean, okay. there were, were, there have been situations where, uh, well, like I was in Dio and, when I was in Dio, it was the band Dio. I was the guitar player, and I co-wrote and co- and recorded with the band. Um, sometimes, in a hired gun situation, you're just hired to go on tour. You didn't even play on a record, you know. And and okay. other other times, just to elaborate a little bit, sometimes you did play on the record, but you didn't write the songs. With White Snake, me and David co-wrote thirty songs together, and we we played those songs live and. We, he, he had had the band on hiatus and he got me and Reb and Marco and Tommy to, you know, restart to, you know, to bring the band back. And so we worked hard and we toured and did stuff. And as I, you know, I told David, look, if we're going to take this further, we need some new music. And then we started writing. And so I never, you know, I could have been, I could have felt like a hired gun for the, for the first tours of Whitesnake, but I I definitely, but after I left and when Hired Gun Movie came out, I was definitely a full member of White Snake during that time, and I was David Coverdale's partner. And that's something that I'm really proud of, you know, that we created a lot of music together. Of course, record sales are are not what they were in the 80s. In fact, with the records that I wrote with David, they sold a lot more than probably records sell now because every year it gets less and less. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. I would never. I'd never consider myself a hired gun. You might. Some people might say that that's differently. But if you're writing and recording and and involved in, in, involved in you know every aspect of making sure that the band moves forward, that's different than just David Coverdale calling me going, "Okay, we're going to tour. Are you available?" It's like there was no question I was available. I was in Whitesnake. I was working with him twenty four seven even when the band was off the road. So, um, but I, at the same time, I think Hired Gun is a cool movie and I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, it's a different time. You know, a lot of those guys in that movie are younger than, they're younger than me. And right. They're re- really great musicians and that's how they got noticed. And for me, I mean, to be really honest, I, 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 started I was self-taught it took me a long time to be able to do something that I that I felt good about that I was proud of and then once I did I, I did it the old-fashioned way we went, I went and got a band together and we hit the clubs and we played as much as we could and rehearsed every night and didn't have any money and you know little by little years and years and years and years finally I got a break and but the lion was a huge I mean even with lion that was like that's like a hard road, man. We we worked our asses off, and we didn't get, you know, that much. We definitely didn't make any money, really. We, you know, we were able to kind of get through, but I had to, I was teaching guitar at the same time. But I have no regrets about it. It's it's just the way I it's just the way I was. I just I worked hard at because I loved it. I mean, look, look if if I forget what band it was, Alice Cooper. If Alice Cooper calls up. Um, say for example, sure. a, a guitar player that maybe, maybe a guy that's not 
that well known, but maybe known in his area, but he's, he's known as being a really great guitar player, or even he doesn't have a band. Maybe he's just online and he does videos online or something. And Alice Cooper calls him and goes, Hey man, I want, I want you to be my lead guitar player and I'm going to feature you on the road and I'm going to pay you, you know, $5,000 a week or whatever it is. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. That's then, right. then that may, that may lead into something where they collaborate and write music and, you know, but, Maybe you'd start as a hired gun, but you'd end up as a as a producer, you know, or something. So you never know. But I like that movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, in your case, you end up being in a more collaborative situation every single time. Down, um, part of that. Uh, well, the only one that the only one that really uh, you could that people might have say would say would be Whitesnake. Really, I mean, because that's because when I got hired to do that it was like that kind of situation. It was like, Hey, you're in deal. And I said, I'm in deal. I got deal and deals going out, taking a break. And basically David said, no problem. I'm only going to do two months. It's just a tour. And that, I guess in, in all te technicality that I was a hired gun at that point, but it was such a short amount of time before David and I just kind of sparked. And we, we actually extended that tour by nine months. And I, he, he said, look, you got to decide. Are you going to stay in Dio or are you going to be a snake full time? And <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, what happened. But I love I, I love playing guitar stuff. If, if Elton John or or whoever said, hey, man, would you come? You know, I do sessions for people. So that would be a hired gun. I played on Lady Gaga record once. That's definitely a hired gun situation. Okay. So you got blind to both. For Revolution Saints, now, I've, you know, you're busy with the, the daisies and, and things like that. Is there any plans on, is there going to be any time to, to actually tour? Not not really, no, because okay. Dead, Days, Dead Days is just full time. We're just getting geared up. We're finishing the record, then we're starting. We're going to basically got a few surprises to, that are going to be announced soon that we'll be doing in, in April that are really extravagant traveling in terms of distances and <laughs> it's coming out it'll come out but um and then we're starting our tour and we've got you know brand new lineup and it's like a fresh start we gotta we gotta be full-on all in and which we are so and and to be honest I've, I've explained this to a few people like you know a band like night ranger if you if jack goes off and does a month tour you know, it might make it difficult for Night Ranger to to um, to go back to some of those areas just because it it, it does affect ticket sales. If they see you with, if they see, like for example, if I go and do a tour with Revolution Saints, when I go back, some dead days and people will be like, "Hey, I already saw Doug." You know, I'm not going to go. And for Jack, there's there's so many more fans, and 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 also, you know. Night Ranger's got a lot of people that it supports. I mean, probably 50 people, 50 families earn their living from Night Ranger, maybe. And right. They can't afford to have Jack Blades go off on tour. And and the Dead Daisies employs a lot of people. So, you know, I'm not ready to, to step down from the Dead Daisies, so I want to be there, you know? So for Revolution, you know, you heard back from a lot of fans and said, okay, if people like this, I want to do more, I'm encouraged to do more. So... When you're looking at that, and, and like you said, it is your side project. What would you look at as a measure of success for? Because you're not touring with it and things like that. Like, 
like a source yeah. expected streams or what are you looking for exactly? Um, I'm just basically looking for people to to like it and maybe have um, you know have it affect them in a good way somehow. I, I mean, with a with a project like that, basically um, you're not doing it so much for the money. There's not it's you just basically there's a there's a budget to make the record and so that you get paid for, you get paid for your time and you and you you know some of us wrote a little bit here and there on the records um but then that's it so without a tour there's no real income and so there's no i mean of course you want as many people to hear it and see it as possible and but the thing that really makes it worthwhile is is when somebody says man i I really that 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 record just I'm, that's my favorite record of all of all the ones you've done or whatever. Maybe it's you know like I say it's it's a different style of music than what's happening at the moment. It's kind of a throwback to the '80s, which is right. Um, you know, there's a lot of bands doing it, but we we have a good sound. It's kind of a unique sound that we have. It's kind of a mix of of you know a band like Journey and White Snake and 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 Night Ranger. You know, it's kind of got that those flavors to it, which is what the record company wanted, and and so it's fun to do, you know, that stuff because it's with with a band like the Dead Daisies, we we're, we go in a totally different direction. That's um, you know going back to our roots more than than back to the '80s. So, and then that becomes whatever it's going to sound like, you know. But uh, I hope that people enjoy it. I hope it inspires some people. And the, one of the biggest compliments that I think, you know, somebody said, as I mentioned, was it makes me feel like I want to work out. I want to get in shape. And when, when I listen to that music, I work harder. And that's really cool. Yeah. So I'll give you some of that feedback there that you like. And that is that, that absolutely rise and higher. Those two tracks that, uh, that got me right out the gate. Those improved my mood and made me smile. So is that some of that success you're looking for? You... Yes, that is. That's very good. I'm glad to hear that. And uh, I, I look, hope you know other people feel the same way. Well, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it very much. All right, and, uh, then. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate your yeah. time and uh, look forward to uh, hopefully meeting you down the road this year. Absolutely. I will uh, hopefully. So Dead Daisies has maybe a U.S. tour planned? Yeah, yes. Yeah, we do. I'm not sure right. what the markets are, but um, we're we're going exactly yet. But um, yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at any of the tour dates yet. I just know that starting in in March, we're going to be in rehearsals, and and I'll figure out the rest later. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope there's a, I hope there's a Denver st stop in there. Cause, uh, I I hope so too, because we haven't been there at least not since the really? band. So, nope. I hope so too. Uh, well, I know there's a go check out the mountain. Absolutely, I would love to. You know, I actually. Just took my family skiing and we had such a blast. And my wife is from Germany and she's like, "Is this like the biggest mountain in in the in the U.S.?" I'm like, it Cal "This California hill, this is not even the, the Rocky Mountain." <laughs> you know, she's she's used to skiing in the Alps and stuff like that. And I'm like, "This is just a hill in California. It's not like the Rocky Mountains. You got to go to Vail or one of those places, Aspen." That's right. You get have an excuse to get out here. But thank you, Doug. I appreciate it right, very much. Well, and again, Revolution Saints rise out this January. Thank you, sir. Sounds good. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon.
Hey. I'm back. Sorry about that. No, not a problem at all. I get it. Um, hey, before we get started, I did want to uh, kiss up to you just a little bit. Um, uh, in 85, I started playing guitar. I think I was 14. And it was you and Jake Ely were like basically 1A and 1B for me. And I, I talked to Jake about a year ago on the program. So for what it's worth, this is kind of a big deal for me. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it together. Oh, man. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 